Hello, beautiful people. My guest today is Matt Izzo. And when I think about the inspirational stories and the transformational stories, Matt Izzo's is one of the first ones to come to mind. And if you're not familiar with it, you should check out the photo of him before and after because that will give you all the information you need to know about what type of person Matt Izzo is. And so in this conversation, it was just a continuation of and a deep dive into that transformation. We spoke about how he ran four miles every four hours for 48 hours in David Goggins' four by four by 48 challenge. We spoke about his Ironman, and we spoke about what happened on the initial days when he first made the decision to change and become a stronger version of himself. I enjoyed this conversation with Matt tremendously, and if you do too, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Twitter at Hey Danny Miranda. But until then, this is my conversation with Matt Izzo. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. Matt Izzo, thank you for coming on this podcast. It means a lot to me, um, and I'm incredibly grateful. You know, I'm such a sucker for a good transformation story, and yours is is one of the the greatest transformations I've seen. So, I'm just really honored that you're here today, and uh, hopefully, we'll be able to do your story justice by talking about it. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here, and uh, I'm sure that we will. You are one of the finest podcasters on earth in 2022, so if anybody can can get it out of me, it's going to be you. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. So let's start in September 2016. You know, in you've said, I struggled through life as obese, weak, and asthmatic until I transform myself into a triathlete by losing fat and mastering your emotions. So what happened in September 2016? September 2016, I, I guess, is the time that I hit rock bottom. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been in a rut, I guess I'll say, for a long time. You know, obesity and depression is something I've struggled with throughout my entire life. I had had some times where... I had success in those areas, you know, where I lost weight one time in my 20s. I actually got into great shape only to to gain all the weight back again, you know, and kind of end up worse than I started. And uh, September 2016 was kind of the time that I had had enough. I realized, you know, I needed to, at the very least, take a, a weekend or two off from, from drinking, right? Because it was just kind of hard to, to, to carry on with that. And then after a, a few days of soul searching... Um, early one morning, I was having a hard time sleeping. So I went out for a walk and I challenged myself to run a mile. Uh, there's a marked trail behind my apartment that I walk on all the time. And then for whatever reason, I said, you know what, I'm going to just run a mile today. And somehow I dragged myself for that mile. Uh, I don't really know how I did it, but I realized that it was far too hard you know, it shouldn't have been nearly that hard. And I was in pretty poor shape, although I was proud of myself for, for getting through it. And uh, I went back into the house and really just set off on my new mission, which was to get back into shape, to to lose the weight. And uh, that was really where the most recent chapter of my story starts. What did you weigh at that time? So I I told myself, right, because I hadn't weighed myself in years because I was ashamed of what I had let myself kind of turn into and, you know, stepping on the scale means you have to face that. And I didn't want to face that. Uh, you know, I was happy being blind to it. Right. And just pretending like it wasn't a problem. But, you know, I realized that morning when I had to get into shape, I, I needed to, to step on the scale. You know, I knew how to lose weight from the past. And uh, I told myself right before I was getting on the scale, right. There's no way, like I, I could be as much as 220 right now, you know, you know, it's, that, that, that's a lot, but you know, I, I might weigh 220. I'm, I'm going to brace myself for the worst case scenario. So I stepped on the scale 
and it said 234.4. So uh, I was handed a pretty big L right there on, on that first morning because I had 15 more pounds to, to lose than I thought I would. You know, and that's going to add a couple months to, to my project. But, you know, I didn't let it slow me down, right? It, it is what it is. So I had, to, I had to handle it and I had to deal with it. I think, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me while I was researching and learning about your story is that you had done it a couple of times in the past and lost weight a couple of times in the past. And I think this is like a, a common theme in that you, we can accomplish something once and then we have to go through it again. And I'm curious for you why you think this time from 2016 on, you've been able to keep the weight off. Yeah, some lessons in life, they, we have to learn them a bunch of times, right, uh, before they uh, stick. And I, I think that's that's true for everyone, you know, at least for, for certain things. Uh, the, the big difference was, right, I, I after I lost weight in my 20s, I, I did it the right way. I learned all about fitness and nutrition, and I, I told myself, you know what, I'm good now, right? Like, I didn't mm -hmm. understand these concepts before, but now I know how to eat, right? I know the difference between proteins, carbohydrates, and fats, right? I, I know how to lift weights. I know how to work out. I'm good, right? This is problem solved. I'm going to be good for the rest of my life. But there's obviously a difference between having knowledge and applying knowledge consistently. So I had this knowledge, but, you know, I, I suffered an injury. I had some emotional turmoil that I had to deal with. The weight came back on quickly. And I felt an immense sense of shame for having let this happen, right? You know, I, I, I put in all this work. I put in all this effort to, to lose the weight. I got all these congratulations and, you know, everybody was, was so interested in it. Everybody was so happy for me. And then it felt like within six months, it just kind of came back on. I don't even know what happened still to this day. I, I can't even really remember how it happened. It just did. And, and nobody ever pulled me aside during that time and said, hey, hey, man, is everything okay with you? You know, you, you were doing so good. You know, now, now you're, you're getting a little heavy again, right? You know? Nobody ever said that, and it just happened. So I felt so much shame about it, and, and that to me was one of the hardest parts to, to getting back started again, was overcoming the shame that I felt. And what changed for me this time was I didn't want to have to do this ever again in my life. And I, I knew the sort of commitment and work that would be required to get myself back down to the weight that I wanted to be. And I told myself that I'm not going to let myself get fat again. And I said, that, you know, if, if I can just – follow these principles while I'm losing weight, if I can, if I can modify those principles and keep doing them after I lost the weight, then there's no way that I'm going to get fat again, right? If I keep logging my food, if I keep tracking my calories, if I keep exercising, if I keep weighing myself every day, there's going to be no way that I can get fat again. And, you know, so I'll, I'll just stay vigilant on the problem and I'll do that. So I, I kept going and, you know, I just kept setting more goals for myself. And then along the way, after I lost the weight, I started to heal my emotional trauma that I've been carrying around. And I came to learn that that ultimately is what my obesity was rooted in, right? It, it was really an emotional problem that you try to solve with willpower, try to solve with weight loss, but that doesn't actually solve it. It's about emotions and it's about self-image. Okay. So talk to me about that emotional journey. How do you go about identifying those things? It just kind of happened, you know, throughout my desire to improve. You know, I, I didn't really have an epiphany back then where I said, oh, it's my emotions. That's what I need to fix, right? When, when, you, when I was in a chronic emotional state or a chronic negative emotional state, I wasn't even aware that I was in that state, right? That was just, that was just life for me, you know? So I would, I remember being in my twenties even, and, and you'd hear people talking about anxiety and depression and, and I, I wouldn't have identified with that because that was just what life was for me. That was how I felt all the time. So there was really nothing to, to compare it with. Um, the big game changer for me was adding in a daily meditation practice, and, you know, I learned, I learned about that actually in college. I took a, a, a BS one credit class in college my senior year called stress management. And one of the principles they taught us was uh, about meditation. And obviously I didn't stick with it throughout my twenties uh, and early thirties, but it's, it stuck in my head as, as a beneficial practice. And it became something that, that I knew that I needed to 
do for some reason. So I started doing it and I started doing it every day. And by doing the daily meditation practice, I, I gained some awareness over my thoughts and the, the way my mind worked. And that really propelled me to, to, to learn more about things like neuroscience and human behavior and, you know, energy and spirituality and, and things like that. Just trying to understand more about how, how I work and how the rest of the world worked, how other people work. So, so that was how I, I came about that, you know, discovering that. And then the, the more work that I did at, at healing my own emotions through journaling, through publicly sharing my story, you know, that's, that's really helped to help me let go of, of a lot of these you know, painful emotions that I carried around for so long. Yeah. So when did you get into the, the meditation practice? Because it seems like that was a, a transformational power for you. Yeah, I don't really remember. It was it was sometime after I had lost the weight. It, it, it's ironic, actually. I found that I had I, I was on some like New York Times email list, and one of the emails they sent one day was about how to meditate. And I remember I, I, I kept it, and I said I want to start doing this, and I kept it in my email inbox for months. Right? Wow. You know, like that's that, that's usually the way that I I keep interesting emails is like uh, until I act on them. I, you know, I just keep them in the inbox, and I kept it in my inbox for months and months. Until, you know, one day I got started and that was during my, my weight loss, you know, kind of journey. But one of the things I learned while I was losing fat was I had a lot of things that needed to, to, to be worked on, but I couldn't fix them all at one time, right? Mm -hmm. I had a job I didn't like, you know, I, I wanted to uh, take up meditation, you know, all, all these other things. But you only have so much time, you only have so much energy, especially when I've been in a chronically low state for so long. I needed to focus on the thing that was the biggest ROI for me, which was weight loss and getting my, my physical health in check. And then once I did that, it raised my energy. And, you know, once I achieved the goal, it freed up some time. And then I was able to, to start to, to work at some of these other problems that I had, you know, and, and just, you know, take, take it on one thing at a time and not try to do it all at once, which would be overwhelming and cause me to give up. What would you advise people who feel like they have a, a lot of different problems and they don't or can't identify one to attack first? I would say just start, right? Try to pick the one that is going to be the, the one that is going to move the needle the most, right? I, I have I have a 12-week uh, fat loss program and the name of it is called Boulders Not Pebbles. And it is basically... Concern yourself with the boulders, the things that are going to move the needle, right? Not not the pebbles. And you'll see people worrying about stuff that's like pebbles all the time, right? If you read any kind of online fitness discussion, people will be talking about supplements and meal timing and all this stuff. And yeah, those are all great. They can make a difference, but they're minor details, right? They're not as important as getting your nutrition right, getting sleep, right? Getting some exercise. So I, I what I would suggest is identify what the biggest problems are first, right? You know, if someone has, a substance abuse problem, for example, you got to fix that before you can fix anything else. You know, I'll have, I'll have people messaging me all the time about, you know, they'll be eating sweets and stuff instead of, you know, drinking alcohol, right? And yeah, eating sweets isn't great. E eating some, some sugar is not good for you, but it's better than being, you know, ha having alcohol all the time. It's, it's better than, than constantly being under the influence of alcohol, right? Drinking diet soda is not, not good for you but it's better than drinking regular soda all the time. So I, I, it's about making manageable changes that are going to be impactful and that aren't going to be overwhelming for you because the more you do it and the more traction, the, the more progress that you make, the more energy you'll have, the more self-love you're demonstrating and the better you'll be and, and the better you'll be able to take on new things and build new habits and just kind of layer those new habits on top of those existing ones. And that's how you can make a lot of progress. Was there a moment when you said to yourself, oh my God, I'm a completely different person than I was X time ago? Not really, because it's one of these things, it's, it's hard to tell yourself, you know, it's because from, from, from our own perspective, very little changes about our life, right? At, at any given moment, it's never really all that different from, from what it was before most of the time, obviously, right? If, if something dramatic changes, it's going to be different. But, you know, something with, with weight loss and, and personal transformation, 
you're, you're really not usually very different. Um, I guess I'll say I became a different person probably on the day that I started losing weight or I, I, I maybe I, I went back to the person that I was in my mid twenties when I had had some success with this in the past. And I just kind of picked up from where I, I, I left off then. And, you know, uh, my girlfriend, Courtney, uh, you know, at the time was very surprised by this because she was like, Oh, like you're like a whole different person right now. And, you know, you you know, that was really kind of alarming because I somehow just channeled this energy that I had from my mid twenties right into my mid thirties. And it felt like as soon as I ran that mile, I became that person again. And and I just kind of got back to it, but you know, it's, it's, it's changes gradual. So that's why it's important that we document it when it happens, you know, take photographs, write in your journal, you know, you know, document your thoughts. And, and that's where you'll be able to see, oh, wow, I'm a really different person right now. You know, you can just see it looking at, at the before and after pictures, or you could see it looking at something you had written a few years ago. And you'll say, I don't think like this at all anymore. Right. You know, so, so, so that's really where it, it comes out for me. Yeah. So take me through it. You ran that one mile and you're a different person in a sense. But then on day two, you got to also make the decision, I'm going to run a mile again, or I'm going to run 1.1. Like what, what was that next week like? And what was that next month like? Uh, it just, it, it kind of became figuring out how I'm going to integrate all these various healthy habits back into my life and, and, you know, just, just doing it as best I could. Right. I, I didn't have, I didn't have all the the tools that I needed and I would use throughout my journey, but I just, I, you know, I got started with, with, with what I had, right. I, you know, on day one, I didn't have a food scale, so I eyeballed it, but I ordered a food scale. So then on day three, I had a food scale, right. You know, on, on the first couple of days, we didn't have all the right foods to eat, but I just made the, the best of it and made the best food choices that I could with the things that I had. Um, you know, it's, I mean, Losing weight's not, you know, you know, it's not rocket science. You, you got to eat less and you, you, you got to move more. So, you know, th- there's there's lots of details. It, it's, it's obviously not that simple for most people. But when I was committed to this, and and, and I, I, you know, I, I'm an all or nothing kind of person. So once I went all in on this, I was going to keep going. And it's interesting. There's there's a picture of Courtney and I three days after I started, I want to say, and it's the first picture, at least of my thirties where I, I look genuinely happy and wow. I have a genuine smile on my face. And it was the first time in my life. I think I, I ever even took a, a selfie, you know, because I used to be, you know, feel so ashamed about the, the way that I looked. but you know, I, I, I hadn't lost any weight at that point. I was, I was three days into this, but it was as if my entire mindset just shifted. And because I was taking action on my problem, right. That, in and of itself was enough to, to just let go of a lot of this negativity that, that I, I was holding on to for, for so long. Yeah. What was the the cause of the shame and the negativity initially that let forced you to eat this weight or eat, eat your way to more and more food and increase your weight? Because I think if yeah. we can attack that, that can help somebody who's dealing with a similar problem. Yeah, it, it came from from childhood for me, really. You know, it's, it's hard for me to identify what the actual root cause of, of it was. Um, but you know, childhood was was painful for me for a, a lot of reasons. So the way I coped with that was by eating, right? You know, people talk about emotional eating, right? So so well, what is that? Well, you don't feel good, especially as a child. You don't have skills to to cope with these bad emotions. And what makes you feel better is is eating food, especially sugary foods. You know, you know, you know that kind of stuff: cookies, cakes, candy. So I, I would eat that, right, because it made me feel better in, in the moment, and you know that that caused a, a lot of weight gain. You know, but it's something that that if you don't handle these sorts of things, it either gets suppressed or repressed. You know, in, in inside of you, and you carry it around without even being aware of it real, you know, uh, really. So, so, you know, I, I carried these feelings around for decades of my life without really even being aware that I, I did, you know, and it was through meditation and through journaling and through talking with loving, supportive people about this, you know, you know, uh, you know, about these experiences, kind of trying to examine them from a fresh perspective. 
um, you know, in, in maybe seeing how these painful moments of my past had actually helped me, right? Reframing some of these things as, as positives in, in my life as, instead of negatives, right? Because they taught me lessons and they helped make me stronger. Even if I didn't learn the, the, the lessons, right? There's still positives that I can draw from all these things. And, you know, I found that to be tremendously helpful for me as I've tried to kind of go down this self-improvement journey. Yeah. And another thing that I assume meditation taught you or, or running is you've got a sign by your door that says, be present. I'm curious mm-hmm. if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I have a few signs actually hanging up around my house. I, I think that's a trick that I picked up from Eckhart Tolle, actually. I uh, mm-hmm. think, think it might have been in, in one of his books. You know, It's just reminders for me to you know be in the present moment. I have one on my phone, actually, too. It says, what is my relationship with the present moment, right? And, wow. and that's, my, that's my phone lock screen. And that's just a, another reminder for me, right, to, to stay present. You know, don't. If, if, if we want to think about the past, we want to examine the past, learn lessons from it, that's great. If we want to plan for the future, right, consider the future, that's also great. But it's something that should be intentional and something that we should be doing from the present moment, right? We should be present in the moment thinking about the, fa- the past or planning for the future and not just getting lost going down that, right, going down the, the train of nostalgia or or, or, you know, you know, dreaming of a better future, right? right? Those are going to be un- unproductive and that's taking you out of the present moment because life is happening right here, right now in this moment. Well, I, I kind of want to take us out of the present moment because you've done some incredible accomplishments that I'd love to talk to you about and I think could help inspire people maybe in the present moment to live a better life. And one of those is the four by four by 48. What is this yeah. challenge? Why do you decide to do it? And it's incredible seeing where you've been that you accomplished this, just running one mile and struggling through and then doing four by four by 48. What is that? And how did you train up and take us through that process? Yeah. So the four by four by 48 is a challenge invented by David Goggins. As far as I know, uh, it's something he does every year in March, but, uh, it's something that anyone can really do at any time. You know, it's a, it's a self refereed sort of challenge where you run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So it ends up being 48 miles in two days of of running. Um, I did it last year at, at the official start of, of the Goggins challenge. So it started for me, uh, on a Friday in March at 11 p.m. And then I ran on a four-mile run every four hours after that, you know, 3 a.m., 7 a.m., all, all the way through Saturday and then into Sunday and then wrapping up on, on Sunday night. Um, it's it's a great challenge. It's, it's both a, a physical challenge and very much even more so a mental challenge. Um, it, it can be adapted for, for people who might not be able to handle that volume of running. You know, if, I think I, I think Goggins has a website where he, he talks about it quite a bit. You, you can do other exercise instead of running, you know, if that's not something that, that you're capable of doing. But I did it pretty much the traditional way. Um, I think I was pressured into doing it uh, from social media, really, right? You know, and you have a Twitter page and need content for it. But, you know, we had a great group of guys who, who actually did it and, and helped push me through it. Um Ryan Dreyer actually was one of them. I uh, believe he's a former guest on on, on your podcast. Um, you know, so so it ended up being a, a, a great time. The, the training for it, I, I, I had I was training for an Ironman seventy point three at, at the time, and I had I had run a marathon as recently as like five months earlier. So, you know, I, I didn't really train at all specifically for it because, you know, I, I was running twice a week regularly and then also cycling and swimming twice a week. So I was in pretty good aerobic fitness shape. Um, I was a little worried about running that many miles in such a short time span, but it ended up being fine. I, I, I took it pretty easy for the most part, but I actually... I started running them faster and faster as the, the last day went by. I ran the last four miles. It was my fastest of the, wow. of the I guess, 12, four miles that, that I, I ran. So, you know, I, I was pretty proud of that. 
But, you know, as an endurance athlete, it, it taught me a whole lot, right? And it makes a lot of the other things that I'm doing or planning on doing seem easier or more manageable because, you know, sleep deprivation during that really gets you. You know, you, you really can't sleep for, for more than like two and a half hours at any given time. And, and, and you, know, you know, that's what really gets to be the hardest part of it. What was the thought process like right around finishing it and and in that final four mile stretch at the end it was great it was pretty euphoric the the hard part was on saturday um you know so i i go to bed pretty early um so the the 11 11 p.m first run was tough for me i decided to go to bed even earlier so i think i went to bed at like 7 30 just to get a few hours of sleep in before that first run um and you know it wasn't so bad you know waking up at three in the morning to go for a four mile run. It's not pleasant at all, but it wasn't so bad until Saturday afternoon when, when I really got into the meat of it, it, it was winter here in, in New Jersey. Um, one of the runs I remember turning, I, I did a, a down and back. So I ran out two miles and I turned back into just a stiff March wind. And it, it was, I was like, I can't do this. Right. And if it wasn't for, for uh, social media and stuff, I probably would have quit. Right. But it helped hold me accountable. And, you know, I said, you know, I've, I've been doing this publicly. I have to keep going. Um, you know, you know, th- those runs got pretty tough. The the 3am run on Sunday morning was really hard, but I, I would say I, somewhere through it, I just, I kind of had an epiphany or just felt euphoric, you know, and I, I was out there, 3.30 in the morning running down an empty street in the cold and you know it, it was a really freeing feeling and then then one Sunday happened the sun came up um, I took a couple of caffeine pills I, I'd been off caffeine for a couple months uh, b- before this so I felt I felt great really uh, on Sunday morning and I just kind of carried it through to, to the rest of the day you know and by the end of it you know I, I was happy I was excited I was it, it, I actually finished it on the same trail where I ran the first mile. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I was celebrating that out there in the dark by myself. But, you know, it, it was a cool moment because it was something that it was really hard to to do. And, you know, I, I'm proud of having, having finished that. So take me through what – your most proud accomplishment from all this is it the four by four by 48 is it just starting that first mile what was like what is the thing you look back on that you say wow i'm i'm really proud of myself for doing this i i really think it's just losing the weight and keeping it off because you know that was something that for 25 years of my life seemed like it would be impossible you know and and i mean it's easy for me to look at it from my current perspective now and say oh it's not that big a deal, right? You, you can maintain your weight easily, but you know, you know, you, you can't move the goalpost years later, right? Like, like that really, I think was is the thing that that I will consider to be my my biggest accomplishment for sure. Um, you know, the, the other one I would say would would probably be doing the Ironman seventy point three, since since that was you know really really challenging for me to get to the point where I was able to do that. What was that experience like? How did you go about training for that? How many months did you take to train yeah. for it? And what was the experience like on that actual day? Yeah. So I, I got into triathlon. I'll start with, with how I got into the sport of triathlon. And that was in the summer of 2019. And it was right after I had read David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me. Um, and it just, I guess, stuck in my mind that I should do a triathlon. I happened to join the local pool that same summer, and I said, oh, let, let me try swimming, right? At this point, I was in good shape. I, I had been training regularly for a few years, and I knew how to swim from, from being a kid and having swimming lessons. So I said, let me try a few laps, right? Did maybe two laps. I, it kicked my ass. It was horrible, right? I, you know, if, if you haven't swam and you try doing it, it's really tough at first. So... Somehow I just had the idea then and I'm like, I should do a triathlon, which was crazy because at the time I didn't run. Um, I hadn't ridden a bike in over 20 years either. Right. Uh, and I had just started swimming, but I said to myself, you know, I don't know. It seemed like something I should do. So I found a triathlon. It ended up, it was down by where my parents live at the Jersey shore and it was in six weeks. 
And I said to myself, well, there's no way I can get into shape to, to do this race in six weeks. Maybe I'll do it next year, right? Um, but then I said, you know what? If I say I'll do it next year, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to do it. I need to just sign up and do this thing. So I ended up signing up for this first triathlon. It was, it was an Olympic triathlon featuring a six-tenths mile ocean swim, an 18-and-a-half-mile bike ride, and a five-and-a-half-mile run, half of which is on the sand, right? So I signed up for this race with 24 days. Um, I borrow a bike from one of my coworkers. It's a mountain bike. It's two sizes too big for me. Um, I, I take it out on a few rides. Like I said, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape at this point. You know, I'm squatting, I'm deadlifting. So I'm like, you know, 18 miles on a bike. It's not that big a deal. I, you know, I, I can grind it out if I have to. Um, and you know, I, I never swam in, in the ocean, but you know, I was used to going in the ocean, but I, I never really swam in the ocean. Right. And it's one thing when, when you show up on race day and, and you see the buoy out in the distance and you're like, I got to swim all the way out to there in the ocean. Like that seems kind of crazy. Um, you know, somehow I, I would say one of the other big victories I've had was lining up at the starting line of this race, because this was, this was the first race I've ever entered in my life. And it's an Olympic triathlon that I'm in no way properly trained for. Um, did the race, somehow I finished it. I got my ass kicked. I finished like 221st out of 272, you know, you know, you know, 272 people I finished 29th at a 31st in my age group. I loved it, but you know, I was, I was a little ashamed of, of my performance, right? Like I, I knew I could put out a better performance. So I signed up for a, another race. I did it. It was fun. It was a shorter one. And then I found a, a, a race that I wanted to do next year, but I waited three days to sign up for it. So it was sold out. So I told myself, well, I'm going to teach myself a lesson about procrastination here and waiting to sign up for this. There's an Ironman 70.3 happening that same weekend. I'm going to sign up for that. So I spent the entire winter of 2019 and 2020 training for this race. It was in Maryland, June of 2020, right? We can do the math and figure out what happens, right? Obviously, this race doesn't happen. You know, the whole pandemic happens in March. Pools close down. You know, so I just spend that whole time training like like crazy as much as I can, you know, just running, cycling outside as much as I can. Um, end up canceling that race. I, I transferred a different one. They end up canceling that one. So long story short, I trained 23 months for this Ironman 70.3, mm-hmm. um, which I, I end up finally completing almost two years later in September of 2021. Um, you know, and through that process, I learned a lot about myself, right? Because when I signed up for that race, it really, I, I didn't even know that I, I, I could do something like that. It seemed like it might be beyond me, but I knew I had some time to train for it. And I said, you know what, I'm going to just give it everything I can. And then through the two years of just pretty much showing up and training every day, you know, and just, just working at it, I got pretty good at it. And, you know, I ended up putting up a pretty decent time. You know, I, I broke my goal of six hours, you know, I, I finished in, in the top third of, of, of competitors in, in the race, you know, and it's a pretty good field. So, you know, I, I was really, really proud of that, you know, and, and that, that taught me a lot about myself and just, you know, you never regret challenging yourself, getting out of your comfort zone and doing hard things. Mm. Yeah. It must've been an incredible feeling, an incredible way to, to cap off the two years of training. Let me ask you, you know, you, one thing I noticed is about keeping a logbook and you write out your training the night before. How do you get that idea to do that? And what's the, the process for yeah. writing out your training? Yeah, it, it goes back to when I, I was weightlifting, you know, and, and this is, this is a, a principle of weightlifting is you got to track your workouts. You know, you know, the, the entire way you get better in weightlifting and, and in, triathlon or any other kind of physical discipline is through progressive overload, right? Doing a little bit more than you did before, quite simply, obviously. It's it's a bit more complex than that. But, um, you know, so when I was weightlifting, I started basically planning out out my workouts, figuring out how much weight I was going to lift, right? And then actually recording what I did and analyzing that and figuring out, you know, the, the next week how to do that. So that just became an extension of my triathlon training. What I have learned is by planning this out, your body is ready to do what you need to do at the time you need to do it. So it might you might have, you know, let's say a 12-mile run coming up. And you might be like, well, I, I, I can't run 12 miles or I don't feel like running 12 miles, right? But you put it on the calendar 
you know, you say at this date, at this time, at this place, I'm going to do my 12 mile run. So then all you got to do when, when, when the time happens is show up and do it, you got to execute, but your body is going to be ready for this, right? It's going to prepare itself and it's going to, you know, because it knows that you're setting out to do this. Um, and then I, I have a log book where I actually write down what I keep in the log book is the results of, of that day's training, you know, so everything gets tracked on Garmin and stuff and it's in the app and there's, there's all these different metrics, right? But what good is it if you're not actually looking at the data, analyzing the, the data, you know, so, so sitting down with a log book, it's a great way for me to, you know, I guess pay some respect to, to what I'm doing, you know, and like, yeah, I had a great training session today. You know, this is going to be just kind of lost to, to history, right? That, that I was out there doing this 60 mile bike ride or something like that. Well, I'll, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to take a few minutes. I'm going to write it out by hand in, in my log book that, that I have it here. And, you know, it, it's a great way to connect with what I, I I'm doing and, you know, think about how, how I can push myself further where I could improve what I'm doing well, right? It's a way to just analyze my performance and figure out how to do it better and, and, you know, what kinds of things I need to work on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like it's very common for people who have achieved great things is simply to just write it down after they're done. And it's a, a helpful reminder. Let me ask about social media. You've talked about social media a couple of times being a reason and accountability for you to do some of the things you've done, like the four by four by 48, you said you were going to do it on social media and you did it in part because you wanted to uphold the word to yourself. How has social media been a force of good for you when so many people are looking at it as a toxic place in general? Yeah. And I mean, Twitter has helped me improve my life so much. Uh, you know, you know, I, I think Twitter is the platform that requires the most effort to get out of, right? You have to, you have to be intentional about how you set your, your Twitter experience up there. there there's kind of a steep learning curve. If you're not familiar with it, I, I've been on the platform now since, you know, 2009. So I, I'm pretty comfortable there, but you know, social media can be used to, to level up, right? You, you choose who you follow. You choose the sorts of, of, of things you see, the sorts of things that you interact with. Um, you know, I use Instagram as well. Instagram is a great way for me to connect with other athletes. Um, so that's kind of what I, I use it for. And I, I document some stuff on there, but on Twitter, right? You can, you can pick the people you follow and these are the people who are going to program a lot of your reality if you're a heavy Twitter user. So if you're going to follow negative people, people who are, who are going to complain about things and like to argue about things outside of their control, then then you're going to get sucked into that. But if you're going to follow great, inspiring people on Twitter, they're going to push you to be better. And, you know, they're going to just constantly set that example, right? And, you know, one of the things I try to do with my social media is I try to, you know, a lot of things seem second nature to me, right? Because I've been doing them for a long time. But they're not necessarily second nature to the people who are, are, are reading what I'm posting. So, you know, it's about being repetitive. And it's about documenting the process. And it's about showing people, right? You show up every day. You do this every day, right? This is what I'm training. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm thinking, right? And, you know, by sharing, it helps me. I learn from others and, you know, I, I connect with, with other great people such as yourself, you know, and it, it's really a, a great way to level up. You know, I, I don't encounter people like this too much in my day to day. You know, I, I don't have the, the sort of associates that I have in my day to day life like I do on Twitter, you know, where I'm talking to Ironmen and fighter pilots and world record weightlifting, you know, you know, you know, people, right. You know, that's just not what my day-to-day -day life is like, and that's not who my neighbors are and stuff. So, you know, it, it's a great place to meet great people and connect with them and, and really be proactive in shaping our reality. Yeah. I, I heard you're moving to Florida soon. So is that, in effort to get closer to people who are inspiring you more in the real world or what's the, the plan for moving to Florida? Uh, yeah, it's about really getting outside in the sun more, you know, and, uh, I, South Florida has about 600 hours a year more of sunshine than we have here in Northern 
New Jersey. So that, that ends up being a lot of time if, if you do the math on it, especially when you consider that at least half every day is dark, right? So getting 600 hours more of sunshine works out to be like six weeks more of sunshine. Wow. Um, obviously, the, the warmer temperatures are great. And, and you know, one of, the, one of the activities I've come to love these last few years is, is swimming in the ocean. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's, it's really probably my, my favorite exercise would, would be ocean swimming. It's, it's one of these things that's like an ultimate flow activity. Because you can't be too preoccupied with with any of your you know you know day to day problems when when you're out there in the ocean you know and there's there's waves and stuff you have to worry about so you know I, I just I'm I'm looking forward to being able to to train outside year round being able to be out in the sunshine being able to swim in the ocean all year long and then hopefully connecting with some inspiring people and you know you know doing you know being able to have people connect with me right have have a place where people can come and, and do these sorts of things with me, maybe lead some, some groups or, or whatever, ha- have a nice spot down there where, where people will be attracted to, to want to come. And then, then, you know, they can learn from me in person and not just on, on Twitter. Yeah, that would be awesome. Did you ever envision when you were just starting out your journey? Wow. Like I'm going to help inspire people someday and I can do like, when did it come to you that you could actually use your story to inspire others? It came to me in May of 2019 or April 2019 when, you know, I, I was a, I was a pretty shy person. You know, I, I think that comes from carrying around a lot of shame and, and things like that. Um, I finally worked up the courage to make a, a Reddit post on, on one of their like transformation Reddits. Wow. Uh, so I, I did a before and after Reddit post and it blew up, you know, it got like 4,000 plus upvotes. Wow. And then one of the, I got contacted by somebody who was a writer for Men's Health Magazine. Um, and, and they saw it. And then they wanted to do a feature on me kind of uh, about my uh, weight loss. So that was when it kind of started to uh, click in my head, like, oh, okay, people are, are interested in this. So they ended up, you know, uh, writing this this feature about me. It, it got released you know, unexpectedly for me, I just got an email basically and the guy's like, all right, your story's up here, the link. And I was like, oh, wow, I was not ready for this at all. So at my desk, I quickly made it an Instagram account because I'm like, you know what? I, I, I want to capture some of this traffic. So I emailed the guy back and I'm like, can, can you put a, a link to my Instagram account in, in the article, which, which he did. I ended up getting out, like getting like 200 Instagram followers on that first day. And that was where I, kind of started my, my social media journey of this. You know, I, I started my Twitter account around that, that same time, but I, I had a, a, another Twitter account that, that was pretty successful actually, where I was anonymous or pseudo anonymous. Um, but so, you know, starting again from scratch with that was, was really daunting and it took me a long time to uh, build up some traction. Uh, I'm glad that I, I finally did and, you know, you know, now I'm able to, to share my, my story with others. And, you know, you know, that's really been one of the most rewarding parts of this for me is, is hearing from people who, who I help and, and who are inspired by me. I, I even keep a, uh, a, you know, folder of it on my phone. You know, I keep screenshots of, uh, of all the nice messages and stuff, you know, because that really helps me, you know, do this all the time, you know, and just, you know, it helps push me, you know, and, and I realize there's people watching me and that holds me accountable, you know, you know, uh, during races and stuff like that. It's great to, to know that people are watching because I, I want to, you know, put on a show for, for the audience, you know, and, and, and really leave it out there. So that's, that's been awesome. Yeah. And the men's health article leading to you creating t- an Instagram and, and parlaying that into, a, a massive audience of people who want to hear from you is, is an incredible thing. How has growing the audience and more people eyeballs coming at you? How has what's the negative? What's the downside to all that? Because I think a lot of people look at the wow, it's incredible. A lot of people following me, um, but then they don't think about what's the the other side of that. Yeah, it's you know it's it can be frustrating at times because, you know, you have to deal with some, some negativity, you know, and some of the people who interact with you, they, they might not fully understand 
my background, right? They're just seeing a single tweet. You know, they're not going to listen. They haven't listened to an hour long podcast to me. They haven't read the, the, the men's health article. Um, you know, and really what I, I've just kind of had to learn is either ignore it or block them, you know, mm-hmm. and if, if people, you know, if people aren't going to be positive energy for you on social media, then you should 100% block them, right? There, there is no, there, there's no benefit, especially if these people are anonymous strangers, there is no reason to let these anonymous strangers bring you down in the least. You don't owe them anything, block them and just move on with your life, right? Anytime I feel, anytime I'm left with the decision, should I argue with this person or should I block them, right? Anytime I pick argue, I end up regretting it. I end up blocking them them, them later, right? Because I always say, I could pretty reasonably defend my my statement here. You know, if I just say this, this, and this, and then there's no way that this person could, could possibly disagree with me, right, at this point. And then sure enough, they do, and it gets more personal. So, you know, that's just when you hit the block button. So it's something I'm working on. Right? I don't, I don't want to block people. I want to help people, you know, and, and I want to spread my, my message with so many people that, you know, but not everybody is ready to be helped. And not everybody is going to be ready for – for my message or, or for, for anyone's message. And, and that's okay. Definitely. But on the other side of it, who are some people who inspire you on social media, who you, whose accounts you look at and you say, okay, I, this person helps me grow. This her, person helps me get better. Yeah. I, I'd highlight uh, Zach homo for, for, you know, for, for sure. He, he really helps me a lot. And, um, you know, I, I've worked with him now for a long time and he's helped me. Uh, Dale Stark, Dale A. Stark, he's he's killing it on Twitter recently. He he's just a, a great guy, and he's really you know putting his money where his mouth is in terms of 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 living a certain way and, and documenting it. Um, you know, there's just so many great people, right? I, I don't I don't like to follow these big accounts with millions of followers, and you know, I, I like to have I like to build relationships with people right that, that I'm following people that, that I, I can learn from, you know, there's a, a small handful of people, but if I'm following somebody on social media, it's because I either have a mutual relationship with that person or I get a lot of value out of that person. And most of the time it's going to be probably a combination of both of those. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really incredible when you can use social media for good. And we've, we've definitely spoke about that. So, I want to ask about your relationship. You know, you mentioned Courtney and and you guys have both had an incredible transformation. Yeah. What has that process been like doing it with somebody else? It's been really rewarding, you know, and it's great to have some some support. You know, that was one of the things I was definitely missing when this happened in my twenties, you know, and, and I told you, you know, I, I, you go off track and nobody pulls you aside to, uh, tell you, right, right. How things are, are really going. Uh, so having support is key and having her there for this has been key, you know, both from an emotional perspective and also, you know, from a logistical perspective, she's a, a great cook and she's been very open-minded at, at, at changing the way we eat to improve our lives. You know, she's, she struggled with her weight and her self-image for a, a long time too, you know, and, and, you know, it was something that, that she battled with and, and, you know, it, it was something I, I felt bad about because she was struggling with it. And, and I, I, I knew how to do it better than, than, than she was doing it. But it wouldn't, when you're a, you know, a fat guy, not taking any care over your health and well being, you can't really go around giving people weight loss and health advice. You're just not, not credible. Um, you know, so, so at times before I got on track, you know, I felt like I was sabotaging her, you know, and I, I because I was being selfish, you know, Hey, I just want to go out and, and, and do this. I know it's probably not aligned with, with your goals, but Oh, well, whatever. Right. And that's, that's not being supportive. But once I got on track and, you know, and I, I started leading by example, right. You know, you know, she, she said that I told her all this, like, I know how to lose weight and I, I know all these things about fitness and stuff. And, and, and her reaction time was like, oh, 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 you do, do you? Huh? Okay. Well, I don't really believe that, but you know, let's see what happens. But after a few weeks, she's, she, you know, she's like, oh, wow, you actually do kind of know what you're doing. You know, if you've lost 
10 pounds or whatever, I'll, I'm going to start kind of, you know, adopting some, some of your methods, right? I mean, at the end of the day, talk is always cheap. You have to lead by example. So, you know, going through this process t- together has been great. We're both way better than we've ever been before, you know, you know, from having done this together. And, and I don't think either one of us could have been as successful as we have been w- without the other one. That's a beautiful thing. And, you know, so many people are are looking and saying to themselves or believing that they can't change. And I think what's so powerful about your story and about you is that you're proving that you can. What would you say to somebody who's made it this far in the podcast, but still believes that it's going to be very difficult for them to change or that maybe they even can't? I mean, I won't necessarily disagree that it, it can be very difficult to do it, you know. And I, I searched for eight years maybe trying to figure out how to get back to to where I was, you know. I mean, I haven't even – we haven't even talked about uh, how I got a Fitbit in 2013 and I started walking 10,000 steps every day. So I, I walked 10,000 steps every day for two and a half years before I even started losing weight, Right. You know, so so this has been a long process. It's not something that just happened overnight, right? Change takes time, you know, and and you, you, it happens by starting to do something different, right? If you just keep doing the same things that you've always been doing, you keep going to the same places you've always been, you keep spending time with the same people you've always spent time with, you're never going to grow. You're never going to change. That's not going to be healthy for you, even if you are a healthy body weight and all that stuff, right? We need we need change in our lives. We need stress in, in our lives. You know, these things are, are good for us. So, you know, it's going to be difficult to, to change, right? We become chemically addicted to these certain states, you know, on, on a cellular level, our cells are craving the emotional state that, that we've grown accustomed to, you know, especially in our twenties and thirties and beyond. So, you know, you know, getting out of that is going to be challenging and it's going to test you. But you can overcome it, right? Meditation for me really was a, a big game changer for that because that's what gave me the awareness over my thoughts, over my emotions, and over my behaviors that can allow me to say, oh, wait, this isn't a productive way of thinking. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't think like this. I need to you know, you know, you know, catch myself and think about this differently, right? W- without having that awareness – you just hop on the train and you go wherever that train of thought takes you. And it's not going to be a good place. You mentioned, we've mentioned meditation a couple of times and I'm curious what your specific practice looks like. So now I'm doing a whole bunch of different kinds of things. Um, what I did for the longest time was pretty much a simple mindfulness meditation. I would uh, close my eyes, sit on a cushion and focus my attention on the sensation of the breath in my nose. And then once my thoughts wandered and I became aware of it, I would just bring my attention back to the sensation of the breath in my nose. And I would set a timer for usually 30 minutes, but you know, I've done longer, I've done shorter and I would just stick with it, you know, and I, I would do that. I found in the morning was best, but I tried to make it a, a daily habit and fit it in wherever I, I could do, you know, these days, I, I do some, some different things. I, I don't know that spending half an hour a day doing that is always beneficial for me at, at this point. Um, I find a lot of meditative benefits from, from, from running, for sure, but, but also from, from swimming and biking. So I'm able to, to, to get some of the benefits through activity. I, I do some more um, sorts of like energy sorts of meditations, some of the stuff that uh, Joe Dispenza talks about in his work. Um, you know, I, I like to experiment with with those sorts of things. You can meditate for a minute if you want. You know, it doesn't need to be an elaborate process. You can just, you know, if you feel like you, you don't have time for it or you're overwhelmed, just set a timer for a minute, close your eyes, focus on the sensation of the breathing in your nose. And, you know, after that minute's over, you're going to feel feel better for having done it. Yeah, I, I love that. And so something I've heard you talk about before is gaining weight being a positive thing. When after you've lost all the weight and now you need to gain weight to put on muscle and that being a difficult process to go through, what is that experience like if, if you've done it? And, and uh, yeah, take us through that. Yeah, I've... 
I've finally put on some weight. Um, you know, you, I got re- you know for my whole life, I guess I've been really fixated on the scale, and I, I think that's that's true of a lot of people. You know, you just get fixated on, on this scale number, and you know, for me, it was 160 pounds, right? That's that's like what I saw as my healthy body weight. And to be to be fair, uh, when I'm untrained, that probably is kind of where I should be, you know, between 150 and 160. But that's obviously not going to be necessarily my ideal health weight. And you know, putting on some some muscle mass, it's been a, a tough process for for a number of years. I pretty much tried to maintain my weight at 160. I was lifting heavy. I was I was powerlifting, you know, three four times every week. I got pretty strong. I just I didn't want to see the scale go up. And and uh, look, I'm I'm a pretty intelligent person. And so far as I understood, I wasn't going to put on large amounts of muscle mass, right? Like you know, I I knew all about the concept of bulking and eating for that. I just didn't care, right? I had been fat for my whole life, and I didn't I didn't care about putting ten pounds of muscle on. I I was happy just not being fat. So, you know, I, I, I enjoyed that for a few years, but eventually I started to, to kind of loosen the reins up. Uh, I'll, I'll say right now I'm about 16 or 17 pounds above one, 160, which, you know, is a lot of extra weight if I'm thinking about the scale. But, you know, I'm trying to put on some, some, some muscle mass for the upcoming season here. Uh, you know, it's going to be a, a, a grueling season. I'm hoping to complete an Ironman this year. Um, so, you know, I, I want to put on some muscle mass and, and you know, that's going to mean adding a few pounds of, of fat, right? You know, I, I actually asked Courtney, I think it was yesterday and she told me I'm getting a little pudgy, right? But you know, that's good, right? That That's good. That's the honest feedback that I want, you know, but you know, I, I know spending nine months training for an Ironman, I could lose, you know, four or five pounds of fat. It's, it's no big deal. Um, the window for adding muscle mass is now, and I need to just kind of add as much as I can, you know, and that's really, that's a sign. I think that I'm much healthier and that I've grown a lot and that I can, you know, I can see the scale go up, even though I still don't like it on some level, I, I understand it. And I have the full supreme confidence that, you know, even if I did put on some fat, I know now that I can lose it. It's not that big a deal and it doesn't define me, you know. One of the things I always I like to say about this is I, I used to I used to think I hated myself because I was fat, but it turned out I hated myself and I was fat, <laughs> right? So so I tied my self image into into that body weight into being fat, you know, as 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 a very visual person. That to me was the the the, the biggest thing that seemed different about me as a kid in the eighties when when being the fat kid was was rare, right? That was what stuck out for me was I was fat. And and, and this is why people don't like me. It's because I'm fat, you know, and turns out it's a lot more complicated than that. But, you know, through healing my emotional wounds and those sorts of things and and building a healthier self image. Now I can put on a few pounds of fat. It's not that big a deal. I know I can lose it, you know, and I know that that doesn't define me and who I am and it doesn't stop me from achieving great things. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful place to come to a close, Matt. Where can people connect with you further and get some more more of this inspirational, actionable advice into living a better life? Sure. So uh, I'm on Twitter at Matt Izzo, M-A-T-T-I-Z-Z-O, and then Instagram at Matt Izzo Fitness. I I have a fledgling TikTok that I'm working on too. I I think that's also Matt Matt Izzo Fitness, but uh, you can check me out on there. You know, I, I have a a free fat loss guide in, in the link to my uh, of of my Twitter and Instagram bios. So, uh, you know, I, I wrote a fat loss guide for everybody just because I feel compelled after everything I've gone through for all this time to you know kind of give back what I've learned. You know, I'm I'm coaching people now with fat loss as well, but you know anybody can get a free copy of my fat loss guide. There's a link to it in my bio. You just sign up for, for my newsletter and get it. You know, it's uh, I you know got accused of, of of selling too much yesterday, right? Because uh, somebody saw that. Oh, you're just trying to sell this, and it's like you know, this is free. You know, like I, I want I want people to have this. 
If you want to unsubscribe from my newsletter, you can do that. That's fine. You know, it's just an easy distribution arm for it because I'm putting my story out there because I want to help people lose weight and I want to help people do the things I did. I know how much it sucked for me and how long it sucked for me. You know, back in the day, this information was really hard to come by. Now it's easier. Now there's there's distribution methods for it. And I want to put it out there for the world to understand it because I, I really want to help the world beat obesity. And I want to help millions of people lose weight and become their healthiest, best versions of themselves. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing your story. And we will put all that below. Thank you, Matt, for taking the time. I really appreciate you. Matt Izzo, ladies and gentlemen, what a wonderful man, what a wonderful story, and I hope that serves you in some way. If you have any thoughts or feedback about this episode, let us know on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda, at Matt Izzo. Can't wait to hear from you, but until then, I hope you have a wonderful day or night, and I will see you in the next episode. Peace.